All right, guys, welcome back or welcome to the Defining Endurance podcast. I am your host, Coach Andrew Simmons from Lifelong Endurance. And uh, yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've had a chance to record a new episode. And if you're looking for some new content, uh, well, you're in luck. Um, What we are going to be starting, this is the first of five episodes that I have put together um, and really going to call this the layers of fitness. So be ready for some cake and baking puns, uh, as well as a deep dive into really kind of the ideas I have about how we build fitness, how we move from a very basic level of fitness. So if you're just starting out or in your first couple of years of training, how do you actually get better? How do we improve? How do we add layer upon layer of fitness? Because it is not just something that all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're suddenly fit. Um, and you know, the reality is, is that after this last year, uh, looking at lifelong endurance and, you know, peak, uh, our youth company with all of these different things considered, uh, the biggest thing that we wanted to look at was how do we want to see the future of this podcast? What is that next layer uh, for us? And the reality is, is that I want this to be a place that answers questions, but also wants this to be a place where uh, the things that are in the back of your head that may seem like stupid questions can get answered. So if you are one of my athletes, if you are not, and you are just a listener out there, leave a review, leave a comment, find me on Instagram or whatever it is. If you're seeing this on Instagram, I'll be cutting this into snippets and things like that. Comment, ask more questions. If you have things that I just don't have time to get into in an episode, but my goal is for these next five episodes, they're short, 25, 30 minutes, very digestible. Um, and really just something that I want to have out there for you guys to listen to things that I can use as a coach, uh, moving forward and say, Hey, I've got some basic questions on like, how do we, how do we move forward? Uh, how do I take this next step into my training? Um, and that's really what I'm here to do with you guys. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. All right. So, you know, as a coach, I, you know, I can't sit down and explain the intricacies of training person by person. So this platform for me for now is just going to be a place where I can park some of the most important conversations. Um, I wish I had time to just sit down and kind of have a big powwow. If I could bring all of my athletes that I coach from the youth all the way up to the adult, and I can put you guys, you know, in a nice auditorium and just sit and talk and just answer questions as you guys raised hands, that would be amazing. But that's not a reality. That's nothing that I can do right now. Um, and I, I personally believe that, you know, the, the more that athletes know, the better that you guys are going to perform. Um, and I understand that the heart of training, you know, truly is about, you know, love and giving that to you guys, but also know that knowledge is one of the most powerful things that you guys can have as athletes. Uh, so as I sat down to kind of write the liner notes for all five of these episodes and really go into detail and dive deep. Um, you know, it, it really came to mind to me of like baking a cake of like, you know, we have the basic ingredients. We've got layers to this cake. We're going to decorate the cake. We're going to do all those things. So, um, what I did with this, um, is, is basically kind of broke it up into the basics and we're going to talk about the ingredients. So, uh, before we really jump into baking, we first kind of have to get our mise en place sorted. And if you're not familiar, um, this is a French term, uh, and it's about the philosophy of preparation. And as you know, if you know me at all, 
I'm an engineer by background. Preparation is everything. Ingredients are measured. Everything is cut, peeled, sliced, grated, et cetera, before you start. So the engineer part of me may not always come back to great cooking, uh, but what it does come back to is I want to look at all of the little pieces and how do they fit together? They tell a story. Um, but what it also means is that we've got a plan uh, and the tools that you need at your disposal. It means that everything is there and it's ready when you need it. Because once that, that oven gets hot and you're putting it in, you got to be able to go. You got to be able to react and shift and move as needed. So first thing I'm going to ask you guys is, do you have a program? Do you have the right equipment? Uh, do you have the structure in your daily regimen? And that last piece is super important because the discipline that's required is often very much so left to the side. They just look and say, oh, okay, here's a basic plan that I can pull off the internet. Um, That'll do. That's totally fine. And that's great. That's a basic recipe that you guys can follow online. But I'm not here to really give you guys the basic recipe. I want your great grandma's recipe. That's what I'm looking for as a coach. What I want to be able to do when it comes to giving you guys a training program is I want to give something that is specific to you. Something that when you bite into it and you really get into it, you're like, oh, this is me. This is, this is about me. This is the, this is a training program that's built for what I am going to go do. And so as, as you look at this, whether you train with me or not, <clears throat> a great training program is really about moving from general to specific. What a, you know, a very general training program is anything you can go find online. I could pull up five right now, but a very specific program for your race you know, what you're good at, those types of things. That's when we get really specific. So let's take a deeper look. I love to kind of break down these things because for me, I looked into the word mise en place and I was like, oh shoot, there's 10 principles of mise en place that I was absolutely unaware of. Number one, planning is prime. Number two, arranging spaces and perfecting movements. Now this is really cool. When you think about it, when you're in a kitchen and you're in a high heat environment and things are moving really fast, you got sharp knives, hot flames, and you got to get that order out and it has to be perfect. You're not only arranging your space to be perfect, but you are perfecting your movements. So I'm going to ask all of you guys, have you arranged your space? Have you perfected your movements? If not, that's, that's a great area. That's number two on the mise en place. So if we've already skipped number two and everything is chaos in our world and we just try to fit it in and we don't plan it and we're just following a plan, a program, well, there's a, there's a, there's a weakness in the chain right there. Number three, cleaning as you go. This is great. I think one of the things, the way that I interpret cleaning as you go when it comes to training is really saying, hey, muscles, hey, making sure that we're staying loose. And we're cleaning up and making sure that we're staying loose and taking care of all of the little things, that little calf tightness, that little, you know, arch tightness that you felt, uh, after your workout, if you don't take care of that, it gets messy. It gets tight and it gets, you know, I'll use the word dirty things, things get messy. It's your job to kind of clean up those little things. Maybe you see it in the term of cleaning up your mechanics, cleaning up your form, those little things, those sloppy little things, breaking your wrist or, you know, really holding those shoulders up and keeping those arms too high. Those are some things that you can clean up, but you can do those as you go. It means that you are taking care of it as it happens. As you notice it, do something about it. Don't ignore the obvious thing that you see. Making first moves. Now, this is really important. Um, and the way that I interpret this is that in a race, be the one to make the move, be the one that's in control. If you've listened to the podcast for long enough, you understand one of my theories, which is the opportunity or really the, the assumption of control, right? Uh, this idea that you are the one that's empowered. So when you are in control, so the power of choice here is that 
if you're in a race and you make the first move, that's great. But also know that someone's going to make the second move and be aware and ready for that. So the opportunity of choice here is really that, uh, if you go out a little too hard and you made that first move and it was a little silly, you can also make the same move to back off. Number five here, finishing actions. Number six, slowing down to speed up. I loved this one. So finishing actions for me is just making sure that you get those little bitty things right, that you get the taper right. But number six, it's not just us runners that have to slow down to speed up. That sometimes when we're looking at things, we rush. I am notorious for this. As a, you know, a, a kid that was you know, notoriously misdiagnosed for ADD and all those different things, I rushed through things. I went back and I looked through some notes from like my elementary days and how my teachers rated me horrendous, horrendous rusher, uh, did not have the attention to detail, uh, that I have now. Um, and I had to slow down to speed up. And I realized that that bled into my running very early on. And I had some great mentors and people that told me that you guys have all heard this a million times, but I love to see that it's not just runners that are plagued with this. That is number six in mise en place. It's the number one thing in a kitchen. Any environment where you're dealing with pressure and you have to get something done, there is a race against the clock in the kitchen. It's a race against the clock for you as a runner. So number six, slowing down to speed up. Number seven, call and call back. So you always hear a chef say, you know, rack of lamb and they'll say, you know, rack of lamb chef. And, you know, there's this call and response. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that when you look at a high performing program, you'll see this call and response that goes back, um, sometimes between the athletes, but often between the coaches of, uh, you know, that if they say something, the team kind of has to reflect it back. And it just means in a common understanding that I understand everybody understands to me, this call and call back is a very cultural thing open ears and eyes. Now this is a much more, uh, obvious when it comes to a kitchen. Uh, but I think the thing that's really important here is that be listening and be looking that as a runner, we talked a little bit about perfecting movements. Uh, that's number two, but look at it. What's it really saying? Open ears and eyes. This goes back to, are you listening to how you're running? Are you looking, are you taking video of yourself occasionally? This isn't hard to do. Um, but that is a great way to understand, hey, am I, am I you know, in control here or is everything happening the way it needs to? Last one, inspect and correct. Uh, that's called a mirror <laughs> when it comes to uh, in the gym. You know, inspect and correct. Look at, look at yourself. Are you keeping good angles? Do you notice a hip shifting? Do you notice that something feels a little bit off uh, when you're doing, like I, I was doing bands this morning and I'm like, oh, my right hip, you know, I got tired at 10 reps uh, in warm up today uh, and I got 15 with the other leg. I need to, need to do some correction on this right leg. I got to pay attention to what's going on. 10th here total utilization. I think it's super important that we, we look at our, our training and are we, are we really putting out a hundred percent effort? Uh, and what I mean by that is total utilization to me comes back to really, are we getting out everything that we are putting in? And what I mean by that is, is that workout as effective as it should be? Am, am I, am I undercutting myself? Am I going too slow in this workout? Am I just trying to go through the motions or am I really focused on this workout getting a specific response? 
Um, and if you're in the training game for long enough, you'll understand that you can kind of placate yourself and, you know, kind of cheat yourself a little bit because, you know, you want to, you might be doing some reps and it's a continuous workout on, you know, maybe it's five by a K on 200 jog. And, you know, you might stop right after that rep, catch your breath, you know, and then get a near 200 meter jog. Um, and you're kind of cheating yourself a little bit. The whole goal is that it's uncomfortable, you know, total utilization. Are you doing what's being asked of you every single day, uh, from that program or the things that you know to be true and you know, to be right. There's no program that's going to tell you that you need to uh, drink more water. Uh, you can't buy that. You have to do that. That's total utilization. Are you taking ownership of everything there? So I found this super interesting that those are the 10 principles of mise en place. That's just getting ready. That's not even doing the thing. Those are just the basic underlying principles of what it takes to do it right. So for me, this mise en place, this preparation, that's kind of the first layer. But let's talk about fitness layers. Let's kind of take a deep dive here. So as I said, you know, I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about how do we actually move from this very general direction to this specific direction? Because I think all of us that are listening have probably probably arrived at a certain place in our fitness. You know, we've maybe even plateaued or we're just hitting a place where we are training. And so we are generally trained. We have a general amount of fitness. What I want you to think about right now is a a person in your life, someone who is not a runner, but one of your friends. Now you could train them. You yourself could absolutely train them and you could get results as a coach. But the reality is, is that at some point, your experience and your knowledge is not going to be helpful anymore to them. That's not because I don't believe in you, but when you are training somebody that is very undertrained, anything will make them fitter. So let's take an example here. I'm going to give you guys uh, two people. We'll call them Jane and Sarah. Uh, And let's just assume that Jane and Sarah go out zero training beforehand and they both go out and run and they, they test and they both run eight minute miles. Sweet. Jane and Sarah, eight minute milers. Now Jane is just going to go and she's going to lift, you know, I don't know. She's going to lift weights three times a week. Sarah's going to go and run, um, three times a week and they're both going to do this for a month. So realistically, they're both training and doing some training. Now granted, they've done nothing. They've been sedentary before this. Now, if they go out and they were both at eight minutes a mile, a month later they go, they do a mile test One's going to run 7.30 and one's going to maybe run 7.20. You know, I I think Jane, because she lifted weights, she probably only improved 30 seconds. Sarah, maybe she gets to 7.20. Now, the reality is, is great. They improved. We got the adaptation that we wanted. We improved. But Jane improved just, and Sarah, they, they both improved because early on, nearly any form of exercise is going to make you fitter and faster when it comes to something as short as, say, a mile. Now, you go put them in a marathon, and now you're, you're talking about what is your genetic potential for this. But the reality is that very early on in shorter distances, anything will get you there. And now we can start kind of thinking about, well, how does that pivot? If, you know, we retested again and kept the same protocol, of course, if Sarah keeps running and just goes out and does easy base runs the whole time, of course, her aerobic fitness is going to far outweigh that of Jane, who's just lifting weights. Yes, Jane is doing some cardiovascular work uh, by getting her heart rate up. 
um, with some cardiovascular resistance. But the reality is, is Sarah is going out and getting significantly more stress, right? And so this, this idea that we are stressing our body is going to be one of the most foundational pieces of explaining training and understanding the layers of fitness in this entire series of this podcast. So if we keep kind of going through this protocol and Jane and Sarah, one only lifts weights, you know, one only runs, well, guess what happens when we test for strength? Well, of course, Jane's stronger and Sarah is, you know, may not going to improve a whole lot from baseline because she's not lifting weights. So what we could say is that depending on what we are gearing up for, specifically, right? So general fitness versus specific fitness. If it was a strength event, going out and running all the time isn't going to prepare you very well. Now, if it's a mixed event, clearly, now we have to mix the two together in a way that makes sense. And again, sometimes you're going to have things that are going to kind of fight each other. Um, You know, run training and strength training, um, they can work together. um, But quite often, if you're going to do both at a high level, energy, your energy output is, is going to struggle. You're not going to be able to get the benefits that someone's going to get from just strength training or the benefits and ability of someone who's just run training. Now let's, let's, let's take this to the next step. So we talked about just the very basics of aerobic base training and basic strength training. What if we add intervals? Okay. Now let's look at both of these people. If we assume that Jane and Sarah are now both runners Jane's no longer, you know, a structured strength training athlete. If one of you just goes out and uh, for a month, you both do base runs. Great. You're going to improve kind of based on your propensity to build fitness. Now, if one of them adds intervals and they just do 10 by 400 once a week at their 5k pace and one of them doesn't in that first month, they're going to get a little bit faster. If we do it for another four weeks, say, they're going to get significantly faster. But then the key thing here is, is that if we don't change, excuse me, if we don't change specific variables of those comparative athletes, the one that's just doing base training and one doing that 10 by 400 workout, if she always goes and do, does those 400 that say seven minutes a mile, eventually that seven minutes a mile is not going to get an adaptation. So we either have to change the intensity that she's going at, seven minutes to 645, or we can decrease another variable or increase another variable. We can increase, sorry, the camera just cut off. So when it, when it comes to it, we can increase a number of variables. We can, uh, increase the number of reps. So we could go to 14 or 16. We could shorten the recovery from a minute of rest to 30 seconds of rest, or we can increase the intensity and the pace that we're trying to go for that same 10 by 400. So those are the three variables that any coach can adjust and change depending on what we want to get as far as a physiological response. So anytime you're looking at a program, you have to understand what is the intensity? Why is this happening? And quite often, if we are trying to decrease the recovery, we are trying to probably get more of a, an impact in terms of the anaerobic perspective. If we are going to allow for a lot of recovery, it could be very similar and we're going to go for a very high intense pace. Now, if the interval and the recovery roughly match each other, they're very close, say 75 to 100% 
of the rep is the recovery. We're probably working in the 5K to 10K, maybe even half marathon spectrum, depending on how long those intervals are. Um, you know, from 400 meters to about a mile, um, you're going to look at anywhere from a minute and a half of rest to say, um, you know, uh, maybe up to three minutes of rest, uh, even in that mile. Now, granted, you're not going to do three minute miles, but if you're going six minute miles, that's a pretty reasonable, uh, three minutes of rest is, is pretty reasonable depending on how fit, uh, you are. So what I wanted you guys to understand is that, you know, both volume and intensity are parts of the formula that build fitness to a higher level. And therefore what really improve testing these athletes, uh, you have to use those. Those are the two things that are really going to make the, the biggest impact. However, as a general rule, intensity has a greater short-term impact and improvement in the longer term volume, minutes, miles, and intensity, um, you know, have, uh, have a great, they, they, they have to be balanced, not a greater, they must be balanced just right to create a sustained improvement in fitness and performance. And that's, that's the key thing to get away from here is that in the long term, volume and intensity must be balanced. So the reality is, is that yes, if you go and, and read on message boards or wherever and you say, wow, this person does this and this on 20 miles a week. Great. That's what works for them. But the reality is, is that for the majority, 70 to 80 plus percent of people uh, that are training uh, for endurance events, so anything really longer than a mile, they need volume. You are going to improve your fitness when you increase your volume. Okay. Now let's, let's talk. What is volume? Well, in some ways, volume is stress. Okay. When we, we look at the protocols inside training peaks, CTL, chronic training load, that's stress, right? Chronic, right? Continuous. That value is actually the, uh, CTL, uh, for, to get nerdy here for a second. It, it takes your total TSS that you accrue in a day. And that moving average is the total accrued TSS. It's a moving average divided by 42 or six weeks of data points. So we're constantly one day by one day and seeing if we can improve that number. So as you build fitness, right? Well, to calculate TSS, the number one thing is we're looking at the intensity factor. Um, and we're multiplying uh, that as compared to your threshold, uh, aerobic threshold, uh, heart rate, or the thresholds that you have set for your run pace. So uh, if you haven't heard it already from me, if you're using Training Peaks or any other data evaluation software and your zones are wrong, your data is wrong, which means that your workouts are probably wrong. Uh, so let's, let's, let's take this back. What is most important here as you're trying to build fitness? Your ability to manage stress. The really interesting thing here is, is that the athletes that are very slow and, and this is not intended to, you know, call anybody out, but let's, let's take a five hour marathoner here. Um, you know, at five hour marathon pace to go and do the same 20 mile run is going to take them significantly longer. So that means that one of the best ways for them to increase their ability to say, get down to a four hour marathon is more than likely going to be to increase their intensity, but also to increase their volume. Because the one thing that is underlying here of both of these is time. And so they can actually recover better if we can increase their pace because that 20 miler, you know, if it took them X, well, at four hour marathon paces compared to five hour marathon pace, that delta there is significant and significant enough that 
they're actually going to be able to recover better, which means that they're going to be able to get more mileage. They're going to be able to do bigger workouts because they aren't taking as long because there is at the end of the day, it can't work out forever. It's not efficient to do so. So there is this balance between volume and intensity. Once again, kind of bringing that all back together, you have to know when volume is important, when is intensity important. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about the whole rest of these next five episodes. So let's, let's get through a couple of other kind of key points here. Um, the, the key thing here is that you can take any plan and say, hey, this is a three-hour marathon planner. This is a that. Well, it, it takes a, a qualified coach that has spent time over years who can design train that balances and, I think this is really key, systematically builds fitness and performance to hit certain capacities. It doesn't make sense for someone that's running a five-hour marathon to do 60 miles a week. It just doesn't. That is just a lot of time and energy spent that isn't going to get the improvement that's necessary. Under three hours, closer to 240, 250, yeah, 60, 70 miles a week totally makes sense. And yes, of course, you can do it on less, you can do it on more, Uh, but it all depends on what's the balance uh, and where do you personally, individually see gains in your fitness. So next thing here is, so when we go back to this whole Jane and Sarah thing in terms of moving from very general fitness to specific fitness, we built something specific. We wanted to say, okay, I want to train for a 5k now. Okay. Well, you can't, you can just go out and run. And if you go out and run hard all the time, um, pretty hard, pretty often, what you're going to end up with is really at the end of the day, some very, you know, general fitness, uh, where you can kind of go kind of hard. But if you want to say, Hey, I want to run this at exactly seven minutes a mile it does not make sense to go and run every day as close to seven minutes a mile as you can. You're not really conditioning yourself to it because you're constantly in a state of maladapted recovery. And so that's where the whole balance of periodization and the idea of having a structure inside your training where you're going to provide a high amount of stress, take two days to recover from that stress, provide another stress, and then Look at all of the different stimuluses that we're going to talk about over these next four episodes. We're going to talk about everything from workouts. We're going to talk about recovery stimulus. We're going to talk about long runs. And what is the importance of doing a long run if you're going to be a mile or two mile racer? This is a conversation I have to have with high school kids all the time. They're like, coach, why are we doing eight or nine miles? My race is two miles, it's 12 minutes long. Why are you having me go out and run 75 to 90 minutes? Well, There's something we didn't talk about this episode. Capacity. Your ability to be able to work at a very high level. And it's actually the almost entirety of this next episode that we'll talk about, but we're not quite there. And I think the way I want to close this is to go back and talk about one of the principles I talked about earlier in this episode. And I misstated my own theory. It's called the luxury of control. And you can choose to slow down or you can be forced to slow down. There is control in choosing. There is chaos in every other option. I'm choosing to avoid getting lost and wrapping the episodes all into this one big two or three hour thing. Um, and, and what I wanted you guys to, to kind of look at is the luxury of control that I have here is that this is my opportunity to break these things down into digestible pieces. And I know we're just starting to have fun and there's probably a lot of things that just came up in your mind. And so 
I'm going to post a little bit of this on Instagram. My ask of you is that when these do go up and you do see these, post a question that came up to your brain in here. What's something that hit you and you said, I want to know more. What is this whole thing? So again, the luxury of control is such an important piece as you start to build your fitness and you move from very general fitness to very specific fitness. You can choose to slow down or you can be forced to slow down. So with that said, I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to head into part two. Uh, we're going to dive into the ingredients. Um, I know we, it kind of feels like we've already done that in terms of, um, you know, we talked about intensity and things like that, but I know a lot of you guys want to know, okay, let's, let's talk about the meat of this thing. Let's talk about workouts. Uh, all I want to know is workouts, workouts, workouts. Well, I will talk about workouts, uh, when the time is right, but the ingredients, the mise en place, if you will, getting all of that in place, sticking with the structures the important things and making sure that we get this all right. So I will see you guys uh, for this next episode in part two uh, and look forward to sharing my favorite recipe when it comes to how to build amazing and talented runners. Till then, I will see you guys later. Bye.